0: Join Kelly and Joe as they dissect the second-highest-grossing film of 1996. Debris! Dusty, we have debris. Debris. Minute by minute. Oh.
1: Another cow. Actually, I think that was the same one.
0: And relive one of their favorite movies of all time.
1: No, that, that was a good size twister. What was that, an F3? Solid F2. Tornado warning continues now. Welcome back to Solid F2 Podcast. Kelly and Joe here to discuss Minute 6 of Twister. So, any predictions of what you think is going to happen? Do you think it will have changed?
0: No, I want to be totally surprised.
1: You want to be totally surprised. Okay. Well, let's uh, surprise everyone and take a look at Minute 6. Picking up right where we left off the last time with the beautiful cgi of the GOES-8 weather satellite.
0: At 7 a.m. in Oklahoma City, the temperature is 75 degrees. Across the state, skies are partly cloudy. A dry line is located in western Oklahoma. Visible satellite pictures indicate thunderstorms developing along and ahead of the dry line let take a look. The caps are already starting to break. All the models are forecasting lifted indices from minus six to minus ten.
1: You know, if these cells keep building like this, there could be a record outbreak of tornadoes.
0: This is going to be a long day. <laughs>
1: So, so close to seeing a main character. <laughs> not quite. Not you, don't,
0: you don't count the NSSL uh, scientists?
1: No, no, I, I don't. And um, I hope you're looking up their names because I don't have them in front of me right now. But we're so very close to meeting Bill and Melissa, which is, you know, two, two of the main characters in the movie. We haven't really gotten there yet. And we're so close because we can see their vehicle. It's the red... Dodge truck that is used Throughout the entire course of the film But first we get some Nice shots of It um, feels in Oklahoma You have someone crop dusting And uh, <laughs> Yeah go ahead Laugh <laughs> it up but, you know, we started at the with the Gose weather satellite and it had that real smooth transition where um, you're looking at it from space and then all of a sudden the really terrible outlines of the states pop up with – look like light bulbs. I'm not really sure how they were trying to delineate the states there. Uh, uh, I'm just, I also – like their
0: – the imagery they show there – makes it look like it is just solid overcast clouds from top to bottom at 7 o'clock in the morning in Oklahoma. But clearly that is not the case. In fact, you hear the weatherman say partly cloudy skies at the moment, (laughs) which is it just doesn't jive with the imagery that they're showing from the GOES-8 weather satellite.
1: Yeah. Well, you're not going to win them all. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Have we won anything yet?
1: <laughs> but no, yeah, my favorite is to look at this. Do you think this is a real shot of those 8 weather satellite data from 1996? No. No. This is created for the movie. Do you, uh, now the stuff down below could be as it looks like uh, you can't really make out any of the words over on the left. I see wind speed, wind direction, wind shear and temperature. Um, on the right, it looks like
0: Norman, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and an
1: average. Average, uh, but I can't tell what. One, the green one is temperature. it is uh, lifted lifted index, lifted index okay.
0: on the red temperature.
1: So that that very much could be something pulled from, um, you know, from weather data in nineteen ninety six, and that could be part of the display. But the, the imagery on top, where you see the the light bulb outlines of the states, I don't think that is a uh, Actual weather data.
0: No, you don't think?
1: No, I don't believe so. But then you get to see um, some imagery on a monitor, which looks like something you would see on a newscast.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm.
1: And then you get to meet the first two scientists. Although this was always one of my favorite things is they want to emphasize that no one calls it the National Severe Storm Laboratory. It's called NSSL. So they underline the first letter of each word, which... I latched onto to as a, an 11 year old when this movie came out, and I started doing that for everything. Anytime there was like a sports team or something specific, I always underlined the first letter of.
0: Is this how it taught you to do that? Are you saying?
1: Yes, I'm saying I grabbed that from this. I was oh, like, so. I like that. I'm going to do that.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So,
1: yeah, uh, I do like in the background, uh, Skyworn. They got some Skyworn mm-hmm. stickers. So I, I wonder if where this was shot, I, I doubt it's actually at NSSL. I, I wonder if this is just a mock-up. And, I'm sure. It's and someone had the, yeah. the you know foresight to put things like that in the background. Um, and definitely is a place that has tech all the time. You see those large computer monitors in the wall. And you can see, I, I think you're going to pan to the left and you're going to see like a the precursor to Penn State's map wall with all the digital um, data and imagery mm-hmm, projected. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: and a guy wearing a tie with a flannel shirt.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he's one of our significant, extremely minor characters that you see here <laughs> yeah. and then a, like two other times.
0: Yep, yep. Keep, keep going there for a second. Okay. I want to see. I think she has some cat stuff. Yeah, she's got cat pictures on her monitor. Yep. I feel this lady like you I, you
1: would be friends with her huh?
0: yeah i feel like we might be kindred spirits um
1: we got the nice the globe on top
0: this was when monitors had enough bulk that you could, could use them as a shelf you
1: could attach things to them
0: yes not so much anymore
1: she has a ram's disc sticker there you go across the uh, top of the monitor
0: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah
1: someone was doing whoever was in charge of decorating the set did a pretty yeah, good yeah, job. But did
0: you have to make the lady the cat lady? Like,
1: Well, I would think if we're going back to statistics, you know, we talked to it last time about when a tornado would occur. Is it more likely for a man or a woman to have cat pictures? It's going to be a woman. I'm pretty sure that's established.
0: Well, I don't know where that data came from. I mean, we could pull up that data right now. All right, we can discuss your sexism here at a later oh, that, time.
1: That's not sexism if, if it's related to statistics and data.
0: His tie looks crinkly.
1: That's sexist. No, that's an observation. No, men usually wear ties, so that's sexist. I said his tie looks crinkly? Mm, No, you're being sexist. You should probably stop that.
0: You're being obtuse, and you should absolutely stop that.
1: Have you figured out the names of these actors?
0: No, I, they're not listed on IMDb, so I don't think they're real people.
1: Oh, so, so the digital imagery isn't great, but we have robotics that are just playing.
0: Well, clearly that's where all the money went.
1: Mm, okay, I see what you're saying. Six to minus ten. You know, if these cells keep building like this, there could be a record outbreak of tornadoes.
0: This is going to be a long day.
1: Again, uh, referencing that their day had just started. And uh, it's already looking really terrible for everyone involved.
0: Uh, let's listen for a minute to what, if you can go back to um, where the the man in the background starts talking about the. It's seven a.m. and um, just kind of want to break that down a little bit. <laughs> Caps are already starting to break. Earlier than this, nope, that's good. So, one of the things we hear is that there's um, a lot of humidity in the air. Uh, looking past the fact that it's seven in the morning, but we hear him say, Mr. Flannel shirt with tie. <laughs> With, is that a striped tie with a flannel shirt? It is. What's happening?
1: Not really sure.
0: Anyway, we hear him Not say that the cap is already starting to break. Do you remember what the, what the cap is from your days in meteorology, Joe?
1: The cap? Yeah. No.
0: Okay. So the cap is a layer of stable air that sort of suppresses any convection that's happening in the atmosphere. Uh, if you imagine in this sort of situation, it can almost act like a lid on a pressure cooker, and it will allow that energy to build up as this warm, moist air rises and is forced upward, this layer of instability. The longer it sits there, the more potential energy it builds up. And when it breaks, those towers or the cumulus clouds are going to shoot up rapidly and eventually become cumulonimbus clouds and thunderstorms and thunderstorm systems and so on, so that the fact that the cap is breaking, they're saying that this this layer of stable air is already starting to erode because of this strong forced convection. Now, again, I go back to it's very early in the day for that to happen. You need strong convection for that to happen, which is generally not happening at seven o'clock in the morning. But it's interesting anyway. Uh, you also hear her say. Um, Lifted indices from negative 6 to negative 10. The more negative a number, the more unstable a, a, a section of air is. They're basically taking the temperature of a parcel at the surface and they're lifting, lifting it. Lifting
1: it. Lifting it how? A long something. They're I lifting it
0: adiabatically <laughs>
1: okay.
0: through the atmosphere. And then they're going to compare the temperature of that parcel to the temperature of the air outside of the parcel at a specific pressure level in the atmosphere. And the bigger the difference, um, the warmer that parcel is compared to the air around it, the more convective it is, the more energy it has. So the stronger that lifted into sea, the more negative it is, the more potential you have for severe weather. So at least that scientifically
1: makes sense. sense. I'm impressed with uh, your knowledge of classes that we haven't had in over a decade because... While I understand the, what she was saying, she's trying to explain it, would never have been able to come out of my mouth right now. So yeah, I'm glad well, you were able to do that.
0: Well, I have a degree around here somewhere. <laughs> I have two of them.
1: Uh, so. You do. I've seen them. <laughs> okay, so you were wrong. They clearly are in IMDb. I didn't look very hard. I, I figured that, so that's why I was going to double-check for you. while you were doing the scientific heavy lifting, I did the Googling, and I found... Our NSSL scientists in the IMDb database for mm-hmm. the movie Twister. The man is named Murphy.
0: Has he been in Supernatural?
1: Has he been in Supernatural? Well, we can find out. Um,
0: You're way too far down in the well, timeline.
1: I, I I know that. I was going to talk about some of the <gasps> other things.
0: Apollo 13. He, you
1: ruin it? Ruining it. Ruining
0: uh, I I beg to differ. He didn't <sighs> skip anything before that. He was
1: in Cheers, which was one that no uh, one he's cares. pictured here for. He was also in Speed.
0: No one cares. Maybe that's where they got him from, maybe.
1: I would think so. He was in Apollo 13 as a news anchor. I'm not sure how much you see him there. He's made appearances in Star Trek. Don't care. And that was prior to his appearance here in Twister as Murphy, the NSSL scientist. And since then, um, West Wing, ER, X-Files, Six Feet Under, another different Star Trek, Days of Our Lives...
0: He hasn't done anything since 2006.
1: Uh, yeah, it was The Unit. So he's a bit player. His name is Bruce Wright, and um, they say he's known for Speed, the Negotiator, and Twister. So we're seeing him as one of his iconic roles here. Wow. Um, so Good for you, Bruce. Yeah, good job, Bruce, appearing here as Murphy.
0: Now, was wait, he wasn't in Jurassic Park, was he? Because...
1: He was not in Jurassic Who, Park. Wouldn't that know? be crazy
0: if it was in each of my top three favorite films?
1: Yeah, that... Maybe he's the reason, but no, sadly, he's not in Jurassic Park. He was not even uh, you know, a minor player that got eaten or anything. Uh, so the, the woman oh, that. is playing, uh, what's her name? Bryce.
0: Uh, and was she in Supernatural? Scientist
1: Bryce. Um She was in Star Worms 2. Star Worms. Star Worms to Attack of the Pleasure
0: Pods. <laughs> oh, God. Don't say that again. I don't like that. <laughs>
1: Attack of the Pleasure Pods. Don't um, like it. Don't she like was it. in don't The like Rocketeer it. as a stewardess. Uh, Is that that
0: movie the with Beverly I-I.
1: Hillbillies as a woman at <laughs> party? Then her iconic role as the NSSL scientist Bryce in Twister.
0: She's still in the movies, though. She
1: was in both Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 as Madeline Spider-Man. Watson and Mrs. Watson.
0: Spider-Man.
1: She appeared on the island, which I believe you and I saw together. She was in Hancock, which I have never seen. And uh, she's currently... her A movie called Pre is in post-production, and she plays Dr. Peters. So uh, you may have seen her in a few things. Doc Peters. So obviously we've seen her in Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. Um the Madeline and Missus Watson character. So,
0: wonder if she knew Pete Spiderman.
1: Uh, good friends reference. So, That's why you married me. That's, that is very true. So,
0: they have their their fire extinguisher outside the door. You know, safety first.
1: That's why I'm wondering. Uh, lava, lava lamp. lamp. <laughs> we Woo! both saw it at the same time. Little lava lamp set decoration there. Always, always good. I'm trying. I've been trying to read her coffee mug. I think it says "Next Track." Yeah. Uh, have you seen mm-hmm. that? So I'm just trying to pause when it's legible. I can't read it. You're it's doing a terrible job. Of it. I. I know. I am. I'm sure it's a meteorological school or society or, or um, institution um, in the Midwest, uh, but I haven't been able to pinpoint exactly what it says. Next, next Rad. Next Rad. There we go. Next Rad. Next that Rad Radar. Sense. So, um, nice uh, lavender. Uh, oh, it's actually tea. It's tea. Oh, there. It's just like uh,
0: One more so kindred spirit. Bryce. Check mark. Know,
1: yep. Cat lady.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Lavender, co- or mug with tea in it. So, yep, this could be. You, you think know. they're doing it, B- Bryce and Murphy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at them. Look at the sexual tension between it, them. It, I mean, yeah, it's you could it's cut palpable. it with a knife. You could cut it with a knife. Palpable, yeah. And now we and we never the, see them again. No, we do. We do. We see they go back to NSSL. Oh, do they? I don't yeah, remember that. They go back one or two more times. Do they? Yeah.
0: I've seen this movie a million times. I do not recall that. Um, I guess we'll see.
1: So we're going to get to Kelly's favorite part, the crop duster, because she can't help but (laughs) giggle like a little child. So there it is. That was the end of the six minute. Uh, We're through six minutes. But the best part here, after we see Bryson Murphy at NSSL, we get to go over the plains, I'm assuming, of Oklahoma. We we discussed uh, a couple episodes ago about how Jan de insisted to not film in California to actually go to Oklahoma, which they did. And the immediate shot, nice um, plane or helicopter shot of the uh, fields, and we get a nice introduction to the score by Mark Mancina, which it's we had to use. music. We had to use in our introduction, uh, you know, that we play every episode. But I think one of my favorite things about um, Mark Mancina is everything that he's done outside of just the movie Twister. And I didn't realize how uh, how much he's done in the film world. But one of my favorite connections is we we just talked about it um, was about a week ago when we were watching a, a Disney movie with the girls, mm-hmm. and I was like, I saw the name flash up on the screen, and I was. Thinking, oh, I've, I've heard that name. What do I know that name from? And the movie that we were watching was, uh, was it Mul- was it Mulan? What what Which movie were we watching when that popped up? Do you remember?
0: I don't know. I thought that's what you were getting to here with your rambling.
1: Well, no, because I want to get to the next part when I realized that he also did. Speed 2? That movie. Well, no, yes, he did Speed.
0: Space Mutiny. Yes.
1: You are awful at this. Lion King. No, it wasn't Lion King. It was... I thought it was... I was thinking it was Emperor's New Groove, but... Was it
0: not a, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids?
1: N- was it Honey, I Shrunk the I don't think so. you got
0: to go down to the 80s for that. That
1: yeah, was 89. No.
0: So you started this with the intent of telling... Us yeah,
1: I know. Why? I should. I should have had that ready because... I I don't. What movie were we watching with the girls that that he that he had done the music for? Now I okay. can't find it. Moana. Oh, Moana. He did. He did Moana.
0: Do we watch Moana?
1: Yes, we. It was a couple weeks ago. I thought it was more recent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So he did Moana. I saw. It his was name. Bad
0: Boys for Life. The girls love that movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, we had rewatched Moana, which we hadn't seen in a while, but it's a great movie. And I saw Mark Mancina. I immediately was like, oh, that's the guy who did Twister, which made me. Think what else has he done? If he's done Moana, so I looked over his uh, discography, and he's done the Planes and Planes sequel, which is similar to Disney's Cars. And then that I saw that he did um, the Haunted Mansion, which was a, a Disney movie, and Brother Bear as well.
0: Go down to the television credits, poor fellow. Just curious here.
1: I mean, his biggest one there is probably Criminal Minds, which we're watching right now. He Are you sure the,
0: that's not where we saw that? No,
1: it was definitely Moana, because I remember I remember it being while we were watching something Oh, I with just the listened girls. to a
0: podcast on Houdini.
1: Okay, well, he did the music for that. Um,
0: not the podcast, but the show.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but as I went down his discography and going back in time, I saw he did Training Day. And he did uh, Tarzan with Phil Collins. And then, obviously, he did the Speed and Speed 2. And then I saw he did The Lion King. So, which, so, Hans Zimmer and Elton John. He's he's worked with a lot of people. Days of Thunder. Where are and you going with this? To the point that I'm trying to make. I mean, you already said it. So, you kind of ruined it. But back in 1988, he composed music for a movie entitled Space Mutiny. Which... If anyone is a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000, you'll know that that is one of the best episodes of MST3K. And it's Kelly and Mai's probably second favorite MST3K episode. Well,
0: that's presumptuous. What is it not? I don't remember all of them, so I can't answer that.
1: Well, you remember parts of Space Beauty. I know you do. I know I do. But I mean, obviously, our favorite is uh the, the Last Sacrifice clearly is the greatest MST3K episode. But Space Mutiny is up there. Mark Mancina did the score for that. Just thought it was funny. He did
0: it as a joke, or do you think he like?
1: No, it was, it was meant at the to begin- do it. It was at the beginning of his career. It was only the fifth thing he did. Third in 1988. He started with the Man Killers, and then three movies in a row that don't even have links on Wikipedia. So not a lot going on there. Then Space Mutiny, I'm guessing, probably only has a page on Wikipedia because of
0: Mystery the way Science Mystery Theater. Mystery Science
1: Theater um eviscerates it. Uh, or lifts it up. Well, true. I mean, no one would know about it if it wasn't for for them. But he really got – I would say his big break really probably was Days of Thunder in late 1990 with uh, Hans Zimmer. And um, things got better from there. But he, he tends to work – um. If he gets in with a director, they tend to come back to him, which is always a good sign. And once you get in with Disney, that's also um, can be a fruitful endeavor. So Mark Mancina's score gets highlighted here as we start uh, present day Oklahoma. And we finally see our Red Dodge truck, which
0: is the true main character.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what we're actually talking. It's not It's not Bill, it's not Joe, it's not Dorothy not it's dr not the, melissa reeves it's not the tornadoes it's the red dodge truck also uh, that crop duster. Uh, <laughs> he's special i keep saying it crop the duster and i know dodge would agree with you because obviously because of how prominent a role it is um dodge got premium product placement i'm sure they were paying money to the studio for that and uh, twister was actually known for their product placement because it was something that was uh Pretty significant with how big a role the Dodge truck played in the movie.
0: What kind of truck was the yellow
1: truck? Was that an Isuzu? Are you asking? Or yeah, are you I'm
0: not. A- no, I'm asking because I don't know because they sort of killed that one. Is it like a. You know, no, was it a Toyota?
1: I think it was a Toyota. Wasn't Toyotas
0: it? don't survive this, but
1: Dodge trucks can. No, I don't think so. I think it was used hand in hand. The, the Dodge was just the newer one. They needed a beater car and they needed a new car. Uh, but i don't think there was anything a negative connotation i think it was um i want to say it was a toyota uh, i thought i thought it was i could be wrong though why don't
0: you look up the word truck
1: it was a jeep gladiator
0: mm. jeep
1: gladiator so i was i was wrong it was not an isuzu nor was it a toyota it's a jeep gladiator um so
0: Well, we see this truck going down the...
1: Twister is known for its successful product placement featuring a Dodge Ram pickup truck and several other new vehicle models. In
0: Oklahoma, under sunny skies, which is not what the NSL satellite is <laughs> demonstrating early in the morning. Also, it doesn't look like early morning Again, sunshine to me.
1: Continuity, scientific accuracy, not necessary all the time. Uh, you also remarked about all the oil rigs. You didn't think Oklahoma... Oklahoma had Oklahoma. Oklahoma had that many oil rigs, but I believe you looked it up and you were um,
0: yeah. For a time, o- Oklahoma was producing more oil than California. So. Um, I don't know. I don't think that is still the case, but.
1: Well, right. That fluctuates over time. But honestly, I think when people were like, where does a lot of oil come from in the United States? I feel like most people would probably immediately go to Texas. Mm. Maybe those that are thinking about it would, would consider California. But I also believe Alaska has been mm-hmm. a huge producer. But yeah, Oklahoma, like Kelly said when she did her research, was a, a big producer of of oil. So I'm glad they used Oklahoma. I know we touched on that before, but I think it, it just makes it a little bit more realistic, even if uh, they couldn't always get the, the sky to be exactly the way they wanted to. But they did do a, 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 or attempt to do a good job of filming with um, true stormy skies. <laughs> what?
0: I just like that you gave them credit for attempting to do a good well, job. I mean, Listen, I attempt to do a good job at my job every day. <laughs>
1: It's tough to film. If you have to make a movie with dark skies all the time in order to film without putting anyone in harm's way, it's going to be difficult. They attempted to do that. Was it always successful? No. Did they get every shot they needed or wanted? No. Did they simulate a lot? Absolutely. But they were trying to film with uh, a legitimate stormy backdrop as often as possible. Okay. We good there?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So now I know did I should get that, a participation ribbon. Right? Then fine, they did. They can have that all they want. They got a lot of participation and and thank you for uh, showing up uh, awards and ceremonies. Uh, surprisingly so, because I don't think people expected the movie to do as well as it did. And like it says in our intro, second highest grossing film of 1996. It blew the doors uh, off of what they spent, which I'm sure everyone was happy about.
0: Did tornadoes blow the doors off?
1: No, it actually was. Hurricanes. Yeah. There are an astounding amount of people that don't know the difference in symbology between a hurricane and a tornado.
0: Really? Yes. I'm sure Natalie knows the difference.
1: So, are you familiar at all with the uniforms of the Carolina Hurricanes, the hockey team? Have you seen those in glimpses ever and anything?
0: Not that I've retained. So. That goes in the I don't care file. In well,
1: my I, brain. I, I was just asking for a point of reference. But it's because of the pandemic going on, the sports site that I read, a lot of people have been doing stuff with jersey and, and aesthetics of sports. And someone was ranking the uniforms of the hockey teams, and they put the Hurricanes down pretty low because they said that they had confused. They have a picture of a tornado on their uniform and not a hurricane. I'm like, no, they don't that's a hurricane, and everyone in the comments was like, "What are you talking about?" Now, supposedly, this guy was trying to make a joke, which didn't work at all.
0: Uh, uh, are you sure he wasn't just like, "Guys, I was well, joking." But some,
1: he or someone pointed out that he's also British and they call things differently in in England. I believe he, he was a he was a British writer, and people were just like, that's "I can not believe close to I could believe
0: that someone might call. Some in some other place they might refer to a tornado as a cyclone, where when right we I think refer that's to what a cyclone. He was getting at, but the word tornado doesn't mean well, anything else, and anymore. also hurricane else,
1: right? Like, cyclone, I get like if they were the Carolina cyclones, you're being like, Well, that's not what a cyclone looks like. There's some leeway there, but not with hurricanes and tornadoes, right? It's completely different. Hmm. But I've seen in the past with other people and it always is related to sports because you have the Miami hurricanes and college football. Uh, the big thing with uh, high school athletes is to announce when they narrow down their list of offers, um, if someone's a big-time football player, you know they want to say these are my top eight teams. I'm going to play for one of these eight teams when I make a decision. And people get graphic designers to make you know cool imagery with them playing high school football. But then they'll have the logos of the teams they're interested in. And one I saw that was really well done, other than the screwing up tornado and hurricanes, was he took the mascot from each team and they put it with the player. So like for Penn State, they had a, a nitty lion um, on there, and Clemson they had a tiger. And they, they had a, an elephant for Alabama, but for Miami, they had a tornado, oh. not a hurricane. I sent this to, to Justin. I was like, figure out what's wrong with this picture. And he saw it right away. He was like, they used a tornado for University of Miami.
0: So what what is the actual mascot look like,
1: though? Of a the Miami Hurricanes? It's yeah. actually the bird, The I believe, the ibis. Oh. Is what they use, mm. but you could have used a hurricane. People would have understand that. But throwing a tornado in there doesn't make any sense. No,
0: I agree. I just wonder what but, I wondered. Well, I like
1: and I don't usually. You don't usually see people running around in a hurricane outfit no. either. And Alabama is the Crimson Tide, but they use an elephant. Okay. Miami Hurricane. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's a very good reason for it.
0: Or not, <laughs>
1: Alabama. Um but yeah, Miami Hurricanes, and they used a tornado. They didn't. They didn't use the ibis bird. I believe it's an ibis. I could be wrong on that. But it's it's a it's a bird mascot. Uh, I believe he wears a sailor hat,
0: as one does. No,
1: of course. Anthropomorphic anthropomorphic animals are very popular in the sporting world. So
0: yeah, don't care. But
1: none of them can top gritty. So
0: how would you turn this into a sports conversation? How dare you? <laughs> Let's be done with this. I
1: tied. I tied it all. Together really well. You should be proud. I'm not. Well, you should be, but you never are. Mm-hmm. All right. So that wraps up minute six of the movie. And we'll be back again real soon with minute seven. And this time, I promise we'll get to meet uh, Bill and Melissa and see the inside of that beautiful Dodd Ram truck.
0: But it's got a tape player in it.
1: 1996. Yeah, I would think so. I don't have, we're close to the CD revolution, right? So, I mean, maybe if they got, like, top tier, top shelf.
0: Yeah, but they had God to order Ram. their CDs through the mail and then That's wait, true. like, 18 days for it to come. And yeah. It was a rough time.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining Solid F2. We'll be back again real soon with Minute 7. Minute 7. Thanks for listening to the Solid F2 Podcast, a minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie Twister. That's all for this week. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SolidF2Pod. Solid F2 Podcast is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. Visit jmnjrradio.com for more.